So today we're going to be looking at, um, we're going through the different spiritual disciplines, and the one that we're going to be focusing on today is the spiritual discipline of journaling. So I'm curious, how many of us in here practice some form of journaling or writing, whether that is when we're studying or our devotional time or just through life in general? Raise of hands, just curious. I'll put myself out there first. It's interesting. So, yeah, thank you for just sharing that with that. Um, maybe I'll talk a little bit about my just personal journey as I'm not a writer, but I do write as journaling quite a bit. And I started that a number of years ago. Maybe I'll touch more of that throughout um, today. But what I'm going to be looking at today is um, journaling or writing, studying, is an inward discipline that helps move us and move that needle forward just a little bit to become more Christ-like. And we're going to be looking at, the first part of it is we're going to be looking at Joshua 1 along with some various scripture texts. So I'm kind of going to be bouncing around a lot, so don't feel like you have to follow. Most of them will be up here. Um, But as we're going through this today, I propose to you, I suggest that just stay open and like hear me out and maybe at the end you decide you want to do this or you don't. Um, but it has definitely made a difference for me in my life. And men, this is okay. Like, it's not something just women do. Um, makes us a better man. So one of the things I was ta- thinking about as I was putting this together is, have any of us had opportunities or situations where maybe our grandparents or people before us where we've maybe looked at ledgers that they had or notes that they had or notes that love letters that they wrote I don't know but it helped us kind of understand what they went through in their journey of life um, I know my grandpa had a lot of them and it's always interesting me to look back and be like oh okay this is what he was facing at that time of life or this is what he paid for a gallon of milk or whatever it is it just helps us understand what they were going through Um, It's also an opportunity for us to record the memories to then share with future generations. There is a quote by A.W. Tozer, When I understand that everything happening to me is to make me more Christ-like, it resolves a great deal of anxiety. So as we're over the next two months or so, as we're going through these different spiritual disciplines, we will see how they change us more and help us move to becoming more Christ-like. They will help us on our journey, the good and the bad. Um, Writing, journaling, studying also helps with that. They will help us when we're tempted, when we're struggling, and will also help us in times of success. So what I'm going to be looking at today, um, the first part is we'll look at, if I can get this to work for me, crossing the Jordan. and majority of it's going to be in Joshua 3. There will be some other parts as well. But just kind of look at what, what was going on and, and how was that, what were they experiencing as the Israelites were crossing the Jordan. So we'll start with verse, Joshua 3, verse 15. Now the Jordan overflows its banks throughout the harvest season. But as soon as the priests carrying the ark reached the Jordan, their feet touched the water at its edge. So what does this mean? Um, One of the things that I actually learned as I was putting this together is 
Um, it was during harvest season, and the, river, the Jordan River was very swollen. There was a lot of water in it. Um, and all, so we have to remember that the only thing the Israelites knew at this time is desert, sand, life and death. Um, there were no swimming classes. There no, were no swimming lessons. They didn't know how to swim. But yet, they're up here at the Jordan, and it's swollen. It's just right after harvest season, and they're going to cross this. Um, so what does Joshua do? In Joshua 3, verses 10 through 11, he said, You will know that the living God is among you, and that he will surely drive out the Canaanites, the Hethites, Hivites, Perizzites, Gershatites, Amorites, and Jebusites. In verse 11, When the ark of the covenant of the Lord of the whole earth goes ahead of you into the Jordan... So just imagine they're up there at the Jordan. The priests are carrying the ark, the holiest of the possessions of the Israelites, and they're heading right into the water. They get, they get right up there. They, they put their feet in the water. They get ready to step into it. But again, it's flood season, and the water is racing. We'll go into more of Joshua 3, verses 14 through 17. When the people broke camp to cross the Jordan, the priests carried the ark of the covenant ahead of the people, now the Jordan overflows its banks throughout the harvest season, but as soon as the priests carrying the ark reached the Jordan, their feet touched the water at its edge, and the water flowing downstream stood still, rising up in a mass that extended as far as Adam, a city next to Zarethan. The water flowing downstream into the sea of the Dead Sea was completely cut off, and the people crossed opposite Jer- Jericho. The priests carrying the Ark of the Lord's Covenant, stood firmly on dry ground in the middle of the Jordan, while all Israel crossed on dry ground until the entire nation had finished crossing the Jordan. The Jordan River at that time in harvest season, um, and as much water that was in there, was in, could, be, could reach an excess of water of 100 feet wide and a depth of 10 feet. So here they have the Ark, the Covenant, that they're carrying, And they come up to the edge of the water, and the water parts, and it is dry ground. The main thing I want to focus on is going into the next part. As as the water parted, not only did the water part for the people to cross, it parted all the way back and down, up and down the river. The people passed through the water, and it made it to the other side without getting any water on them. They had entered the promised land. So now they're at this time where just a great, a great miracle happened and they were walking on dry ground. They didn't, have, they didn't have these guys where they could just take all kinds of photos and remember what happened. But yet, look what happens next. They needed to mark this event, not because Joshua thought to himself, hey, I need to mark this event. Joshua understood on... In verses Joshua 4, 1 through 9, after the entire nation had finished the Jordan, the Lord spoke to Joshua, choose 12 men from the people, one from each tribe, and command them, take 12 stones from this place in the middle of the Jordan where the priests are standing, carrying them with you, and set them down at a place where you spend the night. So Joshua summoned the 12 men he had selected from the Israelites, one man from each tribe, and said to them, 
Go across to the ark of the Lord your God in the middle of the Jordan. Each of you lift a stone onto his shoulder, one for each of the Israelite tribes, so that, they'll, so that this will be a sign among you in the future when your children ask you, what do these stones mean to you? You should tell them, the water of the Jordan was cut off in front of the ark of the Lord's covenant. When it crossed the Jordan, the Jordan's water was cut off. Therefore, these stones will always be a memorial for the Israelites. The Israelites did just as Joshua had commanded them. The twelve men took stones from the middle of the Jordan, one for each of the Israelites, Israelite tribes, just as the Lord had told Joshua. They carried them to the camp and set them down there. Joshua also set up twelve stones in the middle of the Jordan where the priests who carried the Ark of the Covenant were standing. The stones still stand there today. Why did God command him to do that? There's a couple points about the passage, like whose idea was this for the Israelites to do this, um, to have this as a, as a memorial. It, the Lord was telling Joshua to do this, and Joshua obeyed. I think the, the whole purpose of this was for the people to remember the amazing act of mercy that God had on them because I think God knew them really well at that time and he knows us well. Like he knows we, we forget quickly. Um, in Jeremiah 17 verse 9, he knows our hearts are deceitful. He knows how quickly we forget the blessings and the joys of life. So what do we do through our life that we're capturing those good moments those moments that we want to share with other people and those moments that help us grow closer to Christ. So God wants the memorial for the people to look at and more importantly for the people to pass on to their children. How many times in our lives have we not told our children the experiences that we've had? I had to think like, there's a lot of experiences that I know my parents went through and my dad went through that, like, I don't know about. Like, I don't know what was going on inside of him at that moment. What, we, what was he thinking? Why did he do certain things in life or not do certain things? It would be very encouraging to me, and, it, like, I would love that if I could literally just read, like, hey, this is what was going on at that time. Um, God wanted the Israelites to remember the journey. God wants us to pass it on. In Joshua 4, verses 20 through 24, And Joshua set up at Gilgal the twelve stones they had taken out of the Jordan. He did this so that all the peoples of the earth might know that the hand of the Lord is powerful and that you always, always, might always fear the Lord your God. I'm going to look at one more passage in Joshua 4, and then we'll kind of shift a little bit. Um, But in Joshua 4, verses 21 through 24, And he said to the Israelites, In the future, when your children ask their fathers, What is the meaning of these stones? You should tell your children, Israel crossed the Jordan on dry ground, for the the Lord your God dried up the water of the Jordan before you until you had crossed over just as the Lord your God did to the Red Sea, which he dried up before us until we crossed over. This is so that all the peoples of the earth may know that the Lord's hand is strong and so that you may always fear the Lord your God. In um, There's a book, um, How to Keep a Spiritual Journey, by Ronald 
Clue, I think is his last name. Um, but he refers in that book that a journal is a day book, a place to record daily happenings. So I kind of wanted to bring that whole um, passage of Joshua out just to help us maybe see the importance of like why we should do certain things and keep a, and keep as we're studying or journaling um, to pass that on to future generations and to help us through this life to become more Christ-like. So we might ask, how can we use spiritual dis- discipline to help us grow in who God is calling us to be? Um, just a few points. A journal is also a tool for self-discovery, an aid to concentrate, concentration, a mirror for the soul, a place to generate and capture ideas, a safety valve for emotions, a training ground to the writer and a good friend. A journal is a record of, spiritual, of, his, of our spiritual journey. It contains joys, prayers, impressions of God's place in our life, questions to God, concerns about various issues in life, and the list can go on and on. One of the beautiful aspects of journaling is that it gives you a record of your spiritual progress. You can look back at your journal and ask yourself about the moment in your life and see how you handled a difficult moment and grew from that experience. It was interesting, I actually not too long ago was going through just, my, my wife says I have way too many books, but in my books there's some journals that most of you don't want to read, but I was going through those and it was actually interesting to look back like years ago and like I had written certain things and I'm like, I was really like all worked up and frustrated about that. Like it wasn't that big of a deal. But like I didn't know what I didn't know at the time, but it's now interesting to go back and look at that. Um, just some more points. Chart your progress in in the other spiritual disciplines. So as we continue to go over the next couple of months, um, there's going to be other spiritual disciplines, and journaling and writing will help you chart that progress. Holding yourself accountable to your goals. Journal about your thoughts, impressions, and reactions to practicing any of the other spiritual disciplines. Try fasting and write, write down your experience. It was very interesting that uh, that came up because um, I literally just... I don't remember, was it this week or last week? One of the last few weeks, um, I decided to fast for a couple days. Just, I wanted to prove to myself that I can do it. But now, just the other day, I was thinking about, you know what, there was, like, the experience I had through the fasting, like, I should have actually written that down and documented it because I can still remember what it was like, but, like, years down the road, then looking back, like, there was good experiences. Um, Try silence and solitude and you can journal your experience with it. You can write down your experiences with any part of your life. So in Romans 12, verse 2, do not be conformed to this age, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may discern what it is, what is good, pleasing, and perfect will of God. I think one of, the, one of the mistakes that we sometimes make, and this is part of what journaling or writing can help you is, or help me, is... He says in verse 2, by trans, to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. How often do we think that we need to remember and store everything in our brain that we come across? I would propose to you our brain is not designed to be a storage file. It should not 
we should not try to remember everything in our brain that happens in life. God created our brain to be creative and to look at what he's telling us in his word and actually grow with him, not to just store information. And writing or journaling can be a way for you to get that information out where it allows your brain to be creative and to think. Philippians 4.8, Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any moral excellence and if there is anything praiseworthy, dwell on these things. How do we dwell on things? I think Mike and I were having a brief conversation earlier today and just sharing our, our experiences through this, but like, it can be challenging at times to just like be quiet and be silent and not have all the distractions in life. And I found for myself, like, when you get very focused, whether that be through devotional time or if you're reading a certain book, of just, like, be very intentional about being quiet and silent. Like, whatever that looks like for everyone. It's, it's different for everybody, but get rid of all the, the distractions, the noise, and just spend that moment in quiet. John 8, verse 32, You will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. So, we know that good feelings will not, not free us. We know that getting high on Jesus will not free us. Without the knowledge of the truth, we will not be free. So, we might ask, well, what's holding us back? I think sometimes a lot of, maybe what we struggle with is we remain in the bondage of fears and anxieties simply because we don't avail ourselves into the discipline of study where we can actually get focused and work through understanding and dwelling on what God is trying to tell us. Um, so if we, if we focus on that and what the passage is telling us and we really write that out and journal on it, we will come across new, new things. So what is study? Study is a specific kind of experience in which through careful attention to reality, the mind is enabled to move in a certain direction. The mind will always take on an order conforming to the order upon which it concentrates. Why do we... We all know that we need to drink water or drink Coke. Maybe we shouldn't drink Coke. But um, why do those companies continue to always advertise to us to buy water, to keep that in front of us? Because they want us, they want that water, that bottle of water, or that Coke to be front and center in our minds so we buy more product. You can look at the news media, you can look at um, the news stations. Why do they have a certain narrative at a certain time? They know that if they do that for a long enough period of time and have the, the certain message, the people will buy into that. So, Again, that just goes back to the mind will always take on an order conforming to the order upon which it concentrates. So what does that mean in a spiritual sense? Well, if we don't focus and have that in our mind and really work on it, we're not going to get the depth of it that we should get out of it. Um, we can look at the old... There's a verse in Deuteronomy 11:18, and in the Old Testament... The Israelites are instructed. It says, Impart these words of mine on your hearts and minds. Bind them as a sign on your hands, and let them be a symbol on your foreheads. 
The purpose of this instruction was to be directly to be directed to the mind repeatedly and regarding regularly towards certain modes of thought. Of course, the New Testament replaces laws written on the doorposts with laws written on our hearts and leads us to Jesus. What we study determines the habits we form. And I just had to think, like, how many of us get up every morning and we, for the right-handed people, we brush our teeth with our right hand? Why do we do that? It's because the habit we formed when we were really young, like, what would happen if we'd change up and brush it with our left hand? It would feel a little weird. Um, but we do what we do based on the habits that are formed. So let's look at four steps of study. One of them, first one is repetition. Second one, concentration. Number three, comprehension. And number four, reflection. So if you look at the first one, repetition, regularly channels the mind in a specific direction, thus ingraining habits of thought. Repetition without even understanding what is being repeated affects the inner mind. Do you ever think about it? You drive your vehicle, you climb in, you you start your car and you drive it. Do you think about that? It's just what we do. We're doing it through repetition. Ingrained habits of thoughts alone can change our behaviors. It is not important that the person believes what he or she is repeating, only that it is repeated. And when I I I came across that, I was like, is that accurate? But think about it. Do you believe everything right away that might be put out by a certain narrative or news media? No. If you continue to watch that over and over and over, eventually you're going to believe it. It's the narrative. The inner mind is then trained and will be eventually respond by modifying behaviors to conform to the affirmation. So, we can either train our mind in a positive way or a negative way. And as we're journaling and as we're writing and we're looking into the Word of God and we're looking at Scripture and what He has to tell us, if we use those in a positive way, that will grow our relationship with Him. So, one thing I thought about is like, just look at your daily habits. What are some of the daily habits that I have, that we have, um, and why do we do the things that we do? How could we maybe change our daily habits in a certain way that moves the needle forward in becoming more Christ-like? So the next one is concentration. When we concentrate on what is being studied, learning will be greatly increased. Concentration centers the mind. The natural ability of the brain is enhanced when the singleness of purpose, we center our attention on a desired object of study. When we combine repeatedly focus and centering our attention to the subject, we reach a new level of understanding. So, focus on your intention on what is being studied. Um, The human brain receives roughly, on average, 6,200 thoughts per day on average. What are we focusing on? Are we just letting all this stuff come into our mind and not focusing on anything in specific? We live in an age where there's a lot of distractions and there's a lot of noise. How are we intentional and what habits do we have in place that we can concentrate 
on what to grow our relationship and move closer to God. The third one is comprehension. Jesus reminds us that it is not just the truth, but the knowledge of the truth that sets us free. In John 8, verse 32, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Comprehension focuses on the knowledge of the truth. This leads to insight and discernment, which takes us to a new level of growth and freedom. How many of us have experienced something where we've like read something and then we read it a couple more times and all at once we had like a, an aha moment, like we finally got it? Um, that's what comprehension does. Like it leads us to insight and discernment, which takes us to a new level. The last one is reflection. So comprehension defines what we're studying. Reflection defines the significance of what we're studying. To reflect on the events of our time leads us to inner reality of those events. Reflection brings us to see things from God's perspective. We come to understand not only our subject matter, but ourselves. When we ponder the meaning of what we study, we come, and hear, we come to hear and see it in a new way. I think for myself, like the... the the big thing that, I, that for me is we come to the understanding of not only our subject matter but ourselves. Like I get to know myself better through studying and journaling in whatever that might look like for my life. And when I get to know myself better, I know how to make adjustments accordingly to grow closer to God. Reflection and study require humility. Just simply studying cannot happen until we're willing to be the subject to the subject matter. When we look at us and say, hey, this is about growing our relationship closer, we must, become, we must come as a student, not the teacher. And I just had to think like on that. We all know of very highly educated people that um, parade their knowledge of information but they've mistaken the accumulation of information for knowledge. Just information is just information if it is not applied to our life. Eternal life as the knowledge of God. In John 17, verse 3, this is eternal life, that, you, that they may know you, the only true God, and the one that you have sent, Jesus Christ. So how do we do that? It's through our daily principles of spiritual principles of studying and journaling and growing closer to God. Let's look at three stages of studying books. So, I'm curious, like it was interesting to me when I went through this, like when we read a book, how do we read a book? Why do we read a book? Do we read it just to read it? Do we read it and try to take in the whole book? Um... The three different stages are, one, understanding the book. What is the author saying? Um, that's something that Marcus talks about a lot is like, especially in certain passages in certain times in Scripture, is like, why did, what is the author saying? At that moment, at that time, like, what, what was the author saying? Um, interpreting the book. What does the author mean? And then number three, evaluating the book. Is the author right or wrong? Why do we tend to jump to number three first? We read a book, and as we're reading it, we're already, I'm already prejudging it and saying, yeah, I agree, I don't agree, he's right, he's wrong. 
well, what was the author, what is the author trying to say? What are they trying to say in the different books of the Bible at that time, at that era? If we understand, if we break it down into three points and we understand it, it helps us to understand what they were going through and it helps us to grow closer with our spiritual walk. We come to Scripture to be changed, not just to take in information. The principle, the principal object of our study or journaling should be ourself. We should learn the things that control us. We observe our inner feelings and mood swings. Why do these things teach us about ourselves? When we journal those and we reflect and look back, we learn a lot about ourselves. Study produces joy. The greater our experience, the greater our joy. There's a quote by Alexander Pope, There is no study that is not capable of delighting us after a little application to it. Study, or journaling, is well worth our most serious effort. So, let's talk about SOAP. And no, not how to make SOAP, but SOAP as an acronym. If you decide you want to take on studying or, or journaling... Um, here's just a simple way that's very easy to do. S is for Scripture. Take your time as you read your Bible and allow God to speak to you. When you're done, write down the verse that spoke to you that day in your journal. Words that pop out and speak to you, just write them down. O is for observation. What do you think God is saying to you in this Scripture? Ask the Holy Spirit to teach and reveal to you what God is saying. Is there something you haven't noticed before in this passage? You can also write this scripture down in your own words in your journal. A is for application. Personalize what you read. Ask yourself how it applies to your life right now. How does God want you to take action as a result of reading the passage? Perhaps it's an instruction, encouragement, revelation of a new promise or corrections for a particular area of your life. Write how this scripture can apply to you today. And then the final one, P, is for prayer. This can be as simple as asking God to help you use this scripture, or it may be a greater insight on what you may be revealing to you. Remember, prayer is a two-way conversation. Be sure to listen to what God has to say. I think for myself, like I'll just share personally and Prayer is actually one of the spiritual disciplines that we'll be um, going through, but pr- I think prayer looks different for everybody sometimes. And um, I know for me, like, if I actually start writing it out and I do prayer through writing, like, it just works for me. Um, you, can re- you can record it in your journal, your Bible readings. Um, I think pr- using prayer... Using journaling as a form of prayer can be very powerful. So, you might ask, how, when, and what? A lot of information, but like, we're limited on, like, how do, what, practically, what does this look like? Um, I had a mentor of mine years ago that actually kind of got me started on the whole journaling from a business perspective more so than from a spiritual side um, just with stuff we deal with in business 
Um, and when I, when I was starting into this, his answer to me was, yes, yes, and yes. There's no, there's no specific ways to journal. Some use a computer to write and type it out. Um, you can you just use a pen and paper. Whatever works for you. Doesn't, doesn't necessarily mean at a certain time of day. Just figure out what works for you. It's not what, it's not what you write that really matters. It's just that you're writing and journaling. Uh, remember, the purpose of journaling is to help you draw closer to Christ and become more Christ-like. If you're feeling praiseful, then write down your reasons why. Write, write out a prayer of thanks. If you're struggling with a certain aspect in life, then write it out. God already knows what it is, but just writing it out might bring clarity. Like, I, I've personally experienced a lot of the last one. Like, there's certain things in life where you just don't know. And just writing it out, getting it out on paper, and then going through it sometimes helps you, leads you into a, a different direction. Um, figure out what works for you. Find a comfortable space that you're comfortable in. And then just start doing it. So again, we kind of covered this in the first part, but leaving a legacy. Someday, we all pass from this life to the next, and journaling can be a great way for your family and friends to remember your words, thoughts, prayers, dreams, hopes, and memories. Simply talk about your childhood, your growing up years, your most distant memories, your teen years, and so on. Journal about, journaling about your God moments in life, the times when you experienced God, how you grew, your funny stories, your times of joy and grief. For many people, this can be a time of healing. For others, it will bring back wonderful memories. For many families, they will be left with a great story. A couple closing um, comments and just thoughts. Journaling is not as hard as we think. Just, just start doing it. Sit down and write your thoughts. Even write out your thoughts about journaling. When words don't come, just sit down and jot a few words, and oftentimes more words will come. Um, the last one I threw in there because that was something that I was told early on, if you don't know what to write, just sit down and write down, I don't know what to write, over and over and over, and eventually something will come. So, might be a starting point. Um... I threw this one in here, which kind of ties in with studying and, and journaling. Um, but taking clarity breaks, I think that's something that all of us um, helps us move closer to God and, and the relationship with Him. But figure out what that... So clarity breaks literally means just taking quiet time, uninterrupted time that is scheduled and you start just having a habit of doing Take some scheduled time. It could be once a day, once a week, once a month, whatever works for you. And all you need is a pen and paper. And just start writing down what's going on in your head at that time. And try to write for a certain amount of time. Um, Stay, kind of stay scheduled to, whether that be 30 minutes, one hour, whatever that is. But no interruptions and no technology. And just start making, making it a routine. I think that goes, again, back to... Our brain is not a memory bank. Our brain is not designed to store information. Our brain is designed to solve solutions and be creative and grow closer to God. We should be free to think and be creative for the work of the Lord. A couple quotes. 
Um, journal writing gives us insight into who we are, who we were, and who we can become. But I promise you that if you will keep your journals and records, they will indeed be a source of great inspiration to your families, to your children, your grandchildren, and others, on through the generations. As there are a thousand thoughts lying within a man that he does not know till he takes up the pen to write. And the last one is, What a comfort in this journal I tell myself to myself and throw the burden on my book and feel relieved. How many of you know the story or know um, about Abraham Lincoln and the letters he used to write? So one of the letters was actually um, to General George G. Meade. For one would never, from, never hear from his commander-in-chief that Lincoln blamed him for letting Robert E. Lee escape after Gettysburg. There was a lot of letters that Abraham Lincoln wrote while he was a president, and he put them in shoeboxes. And nobody knew about this until after he had passed away and they found him. But these letters were never sent or never signed. And every time he would, while he was president, when he was frustrated or wanted to take it out on somebody, he took it out on a paper and he wrote it out. He wrote a letter. But he put it in a shoebox and he never actually sent the letters or signed it to the person. That was his way of getting it out. So... Let's remember, God wants us to remember our moments, good and bad, just like the Israelites did at the Jordan River when they put 12 stones together to symbolize and remember the great works of God. In closing, my final point here, um, remember this is about our personal journey and becoming more Christ-like. Journal writing and study is a window into your soul. And it will help move that needle just one notch forward in growing your relationship with Christ. With that, I invite you to stand, and I will do a closing prayer, and worship team, you guys can come on up. Heavenly Father, we come to you today. Uh, thank you again for this beautiful day, this opportunity to gather together. And Father, I just ask you, and I pray to you, that as each one of us is on our own journey and going through our own walk in life, as we go through these spiritual disciplines and as we work through the individual ones, just help all of us to maybe take one thing um, where it moves that needle forward to growing a closer relationship to you. And however this might look for all of us, because it's going to be different, that we can just be okay with that. Um, and just remember, help us remember that this is about growing closer to you and being more Christ-like. And whatever you have for us individually as we go through this, um, I, just help, I just pray that you would help us to be open to that um, and that we can look to you for guidance as we go through this. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.